0: Welcome to Life Lessons Podcasts with Donna Elliott and Cheryl Lee from Now Is Your Time. We have got an incredible woman as a guest today, Claire, Claire Holness. And we met Claire um, back in last year, in 2019, and we were blown away by her story of courage, of bravery, of vulnerability, and talking about a topic that is still taboo for many of us who are mums, which is around postnatal depression, how that impacts us. But we wanted to share Claire's story with you because... What Claire did from that is create a whole new life where she's now paying that forward and helping other young mums and families and people who are new to parenthood. So welcome, Claire. Hi. Hi, Donna. Hi, Cheryl. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Honestly, your story gave us goosebumps the first time we spoke. Oh, really? <laughs> uh-huh, because I think it really reminded me, it catapulted me back to that time of being a new mum and not really knowing which way was and terrified you're gonna hurt the baby to, and then and just having some days where quite frankly you wish you could put your coat on and bugger off because oh, oh yes definitely you know harder than anybody tells you but you don't want to say that because then you look like an evil person and you though particularly had a really really like not just a bad day you were having a really difficult time and it all sort of manifested around after your second baby didn't it
1: Yes, it did. Yeah. I'd had my first um, who at 19 and I kind of had, I was quite lucky with my first. He was kind of very much a textbook baby and um, we kind of adapted to family life quite well and things. And trying for our second was um, quite a difficult feat in itself as well. So um, that took its toll on us, but we had our second baby and... It wasn't actually the same as I had with my first. Um, There was lots of things surrounding the pregnancy, the birth, um, how he was in himself and things, and all these little factors contributed to the way I was actually feeling at the time. Although I kept it very, very hidden to myself. I wouldn't actually have admitted to how I was feeling at the time. And yeah, it was a bit of a horrendous time. my postnatal depression with my second manifested more so in more of an obsessive compulsive disorder with him i absolutely hated anyone going near him i just wanted to protect him all the time i wanted to keep him near me i just wanted to protect him so much and i was so scared that he something bad was going to actually happen to him i had visions and dreams of scary, horrible things happening to him. And mm. if I was there, I had visions, even if, he was, if his dad would take him out in the car, or well, is something going to happen whilst they're out in the car and I'm not there to protect him? It, it was. It kind of manifested in more of an obsession with him. Um, so personal depression, it, it kind of um, takes everybody in different ways Mm. affect
0: people in different ways as well doesn't it and things yeah. so but that's what this was fast because I I thought I knew a lot about it but I didn't know that that was one of the ways it can yeah. manifest that yeah. catastrophizing something bad's gonna happen and yeah and, and how did you like when you were in it were you thinking this isn't normal for want of a better word or were people telling you Claire your behavior is different or how
1: I don't think um at the time nobody noticed um I think because of the when I had him um a lot of my family are from up north anyway, so my mum was living up north then so I could phone her and kind of actually she did actually know a little bit more than what she kind of um said to me at the time yeah. um and we didn't really have any family close by as such and So I kind of, and my husband worked nights as well. So I kind of kept it to myself a lot of the time. I don't know how I did it, to be fair. Um, But I also kind of became a little bit reclusive as well. I didn't want to go out too much and things. Um, When I had my second during pregnancy, I got Bell's palsy. So that caused a lot of upset with me because I didn't want to go out because I thought people are going to be staring at me and, and... in, oh my goodness and of course then my second he had reflux and colic so he was always quite crying baby and upset so i didn't want to go out and think other people thinking oh she can't cope with her baby and things yeah. so yeah. it kind of was very very well hidden um so yeah I didn't actually get asked you kind of get asked with the midwife and you get the health visitors come around and ask you if you're okay and things yeah. and you get a little sign-off sheet and things which actually I think at the time I probably was feeling it but I just didn't want to admit something was happening in case something Happened, and they took him away or something. So and the worst of that, as well. Yeah,
0: I, I remember thinking that when well, they mm. take him away. If I tell them that, I feel a bit. Yeah, better. yeah. yeah. Uh, how was this for your husband? Because obviously, bringing a baby into the world is is two parents. Then how how did he cope with this?
1: I think with him at the time, because um, he was very close to my first. So there's four and a half years between number one and number two. And so he helped a lot with um, taking my first out and things like that. Kind of, he's never kind of got involved too much with the baby stage, apart from my two old, two younger ones. Actually, yeah. I've got five all together. Um, with uh, but with the older one, he kind of he probably did, and I know he has told me since that he kind of felt as though. He wasn't needed anymore. He wasn't doing enough for him because I was nagging at him. Oh, you're not feeding him properly, and this that, and that. Because yeah. I wanted to do it. I wanted to do everything, and you can't do everything. Yeah. I was just literally trying to do everything I could to protect this little baby mm-hmm. from whatever kind of irrational fear I had that was going to upset the family. What could happen to him?
0: Yeah. And you were blessed enough then to have the third baby. Well, then yeah. You- couldn't continue yeah, yeah. It, it didn't go it wasn't just an unlucky thing where it was with one of your pregnancies you then got it again while still having experiencing the aftermath yeah. of your Bell's palsy episode two that was still something very much that you were dealing with as a woman
1: yes that's right I went on to have our third baby which was a little bit of a surprise actually in itself um and I'm kind of quite glad that it happened the way it did, because of the way I was feeling anyway, we wasn't really planning on having a third. Um, and then when I found out what I was expecting, I was um, already 21 weeks pregnant. Mm. So that was the quickest pregnancy ever, mind you. But um, at the yeah. time, um, it, it caused a little bit of, oh my goodness, how am I gonna cope with three boys now? Um, my second at the time, there's 20 months between them. Mm. And my second, he wasn't sleeping still. He was still getting up in the middle of the night for a good few hours. I was trying to maintain a job and, and look after the first one as well, who had differing needs with school and things at that time. And so my third one came along. And with that, and the way I was feeling still, the postnatal depression with him kind of materialised into as not bonding. As such, with my second, although I had the postnatal, the kind of um, myth with postnatal depression, you kind of think that there isn't that bond between you and your baby, mm. which does happen, and that happened with my third. But with my second, the bond was had was there, but it was a little
0: bit obsessive it's like one or the other yeah
1: so with the third um it kind of manifested even more so and with me dealing with my second a lot more uh the third kind of he was a great sleeper actually we we used to call him little dozy and um he used to just sleep the day away bless him and but i think because he was kind of that Stereotypical good baby. I hate the terms good, bad babies. They don't exist, but he was that stereotypical good baby who could just put in the corner and fall
0: asleep. So he'd read the (laughs) the book on how babies ought to
1: behave. so he was kind of left and kind of, I got on with my second who wanted me to, was, he was he was wanting to learn new things all the time and things. And I, it was that guilt as well of spreading yourself between now three children and a husband and trying to maintain a job. Because so I went back after six months with him mm-hmm. um, to a job that I absolutely hated actually. Mm-hmm. And it was just ridiculous. And then the more I kind of, thought about it and things. There were definitely episodes where I just wanted to end it all. Mm. Um, and that kind of manifested at some points where I'd take the boys and we'd be feeding the ducks and just want to the push there in the river and me too and just forget all the feelings. And it was just horrendous. Was such a bleak time. And I didn't seek any help I um, I didn't even speak to my husband I kind of pushed him very much away so there was a good a good three three years where we were just muddling through I would say we, we weren't a couple as such it was it was just mum dad sort the kids out and go to work it wasn't a kind of a relationship but I suppose that that's yeah. what and I, the more these thoughts happened, I blamed him for it. So I pushed him away, and then which resulted in us splitting up. Mm-hmm. Um, so we split up. Um, I think the boys were nine, five, and four at that time. Um, so we split up. Um, and I thought, once that's out of the way, he was the one that was causing all these problems. Problem. Yeah. But actually, it wasn't him at all. Um, but in that year, because we had a year apart, um, um, I kind of found myself a little bit um, started socialising a little bit more, started um, doing things for myself because I always thought, as a mum you can't have any time to yourself and you have that typical mum guilt but actually you do need that time and it is so crucial that you have that mum time to yourself mm.
0: and um yeah I can't say saying that um you know just going back because I just think it's such an important point and I like, thank you so much for being honest and speaking openly and this is the first time you've done anything like this, right? Where you've spoken publicly about this on a podcast around feeling like, like I just thought it was better if I ended it all. Like that's yeah, such a huge thing. What do you think stopped you from reaching out to someone, Claire? It was, it was that sense
1: of that I'd failed them. I'd failed as a mum. I'd failed as a wife that Ultimately, my kids would have got, be taken away from me if I'd have reached out and asked for help because mums weren't meant to feel like this. Mums were meant to love their children with all their heart, which I obviously did. Yeah. But all these other feelings took president and it was, it was a horrendous time. And I couldn't even speak open. I wasn't very open back then either, and I think as you get older anyway you become a little bit more open and a little bit less caring of what people so think uh, and anyway. yeah. that just with time so I, I don't know if it was because I was a young mum and you judged that way as well and things and you just feel as though you always judged and mm-hmm. didn't want to come up I mean I've gone to the doctors a couple of times with the little one, um, especially with his colic and his reflux and things, and didn't always get the help that I actually needed. And at the time, I should have fought for that second opinion or even gone back, but because it was kind of just kind of um, not thought about, um, and you are just as though you're a neurological mum, it's normal and things. Yeah, I think actually it's just me it's just me I'm failing
0: yeah so you were just internalizing all of that but actually also blaming your he you kind of you became your emotional yeah. support for it all and you had that separation yeah so, yeah oh, yeah really you're just trying to then find yourself and like you said doing things for you we talk about this self-care isn't selfish all the time don't we oh, come on. Be a good mum and a good partner and a good colleague and a good friend if you have just got nothing left in the tank to give. You
1: have. I mean, now I've learnt it, you have got to lear- learn to live yourself, so, love so. yourself, uh, yeah. but you can actually love anyone else. Um, mm-hmm. And that's not to feel guilty about or anything. It, it is essential, uh, really, because if you're depleted, you can't give
0: to it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But it, there's a little bit of a nice ending with you and your husband, isn't
1: there? Oh, yes, there is now. <laughs> yeah, we did get back together and we had two more boys. Mm-hmm. But I and... like that you were dating in secret. Yeah. It was like secret oh, we girls did. dating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell anyone. We, did. We, we got back together after about a year apart. But we didn't dare tell the boys, so we were actually dating in secret for a little while. It was like being back in school, kids, and it was quite exciting at the end. Yeah, that, and things and yeah, we did get back together, and we bought a new house, and life just went on as it did. And um, then we had gone on to have two more boys. Luckily, we've not had any experiences of the postnatal depression in any shape or form with those two um kind of my fourth came along and I think he just brought love
0: into the family mm. tenfold it was just amazing yeah. yeah and you were in such a different yeah. place weren't you in such a different space and then like you said would not yeah. have a chemical reaction in the postnatal depression and definitely
1: I think it was actually opening up because in that year when we got back together because we spent a whole year like dating and things um and a lot of it was um opening up and speaking out and probably speaking to my family my mum I'm always on the phone more to my mum these days my mum always knows when there's something wrong with me these days I think she knew back then but she wasn't too sure how to address it and because she was so far away now she's come back down to Kent where me and my sister are now so she's not too far away so she keeps me in check
0: <laughs> like you said like that guilt and shame mm-hmm. of feeling like you're feeling as a mom like it's just a horrible sickening feeling isn't it it's
1: yeah definitely I mean you children you kind of have these hopes and dreams even when you're like not even pregnant yet you've planned your children you kind of plan their names out and how they're going to be Mm -hmm. and actually when they arrive their personalities are completely different or their scenarios are very different i mean i mother all my boys very differently depending on their needs and anything there Uh, but you just can't determine what's going to happen that stage but i think preparing for motherhood is crucial but we can never prepare
0: for those feelings it's no and and you're in it aren't you we see this all the time when you're the one in it it, you can't see it so what advice have you got for women who perhaps are listening to this today and are feeling like well that is me. It is different than what I expected. I don't feel like I love them all the time or I'm having trouble bonding or I think I'm a little bit obsessive or it's just not what I expected. And I, I do feel like I just want to do something and river. throw myself in a river or I'm having these thoughts, but I'm so ashamed and I feel so guilty. What would you tell that woman to do today?
1: Reach out, reach out to somebody. There's always somebody that on the end of the line I mean nowadays we've got online systems so even if you don't feel like talking to somebody there's always somebody there mm-hmm. find your little tribe um, find some way of reaching out because nobody's going to judge you um, and you're not going to have your children taken away and things mm-hmm. and big fear for a lot of women um, but really just getting the help and support in place um just finding that one person even if it's um a friend somebody trained like um pandas is a good um uh, association that helps uh, women with postnatal depression they've always got advisors at the end of the line so it doesn't have to be somebody close to you Mm -hmm. but really 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 reach out um because talking um it really helps. Um, there's so many treatments as well. You don't have to go down the antidepressant route or things like that, which a lot of people feared, which I did myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of different types of treatment um, out there. So, And it's all very different to each um,
0: situation as well. Absolutely. And what, I don't know if this is even harder. What about if you are the husband or the sister or the mother or the friend of someone who you think isn't quite having the experience of being a mum that they thought they were going to have and you can see that they're struggling, Claire, what would you advise that person? Oh, oh sorry, we lost you there on the link. Well, would... cut out a little oh, bit. Oh, sorry. Yeah. What would you get as, like, you know, if you're the mum or the sister or the friend, how would you advise that they try to reach and get through and help that person?
1: I think it's really hard from looking in at somebody I think that is even harder than when you're in it actually mm. um, I know my husband said that to me he just didn't he was at a loss and he didn't know what to do and things yeah. uh, again with my mum and other friends and things It it is so hard when you've seen that bubbly person either go into themselves or becoming a little bit, their behaviours a little bit odd or things. But really just being open to chat to them, helping them, um, supporting them really can be so beneficial. Just be that listening ear sometimes, you know, don't go around. um, I think as well, um, when we become a new mum, when we've got those visitors coming round and everybody wants to hold the baby, but actually, we need people to hold the mum.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. So cool, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You feel overlooked. We do. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's funny, you know, because I was saying this. Uh, so actually, right. I mean, it's all- Sorry, Claire, I was just saying this to my friend at her baby shower the other week. She was saying, oh, I hate being the centre of attention. I hate all this fuss. And I I looked at her and I said, make the most of it because for the rest of your life, people will look at the baby and the little person and you... They do, they do. It's a lovely feeling, don't get me wrong. But if you're not in a great place, you kind of feel even more isolated and pushed out. Yeah, definitely.
1: And I think as well, when you are going around to a new mummy's house and things, Offer to make her a cup of tea rather than, oh, do you want to take the baby for you? Yeah. Actually, making her a cup of tea might be more beneficial than anything else, or yeah. doing work or something along those lines. Because we we're trying to do everything and we can't do everything. And yeah. just
0: realize that you are
1: good enough. Good enough is more it's than
0: amazing. is yeah. amazing. And the gift from this was that yeah. you really found your purpose in your calling your experiences of being a mom and of having postnatal depression, you've set up not one, but two. <laughs> so as a career, you've become this sleep consultant for babies and you train a baby massage and everything, really helping families to have a better experience because the sleep thing is huge. If the baby isn't sleeping away, not sleeping. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very different experience if you've got a baby that doesn't sleep
1: yeah definitely it's it's come around twofold really i think i went through this experience as a gift for others um now as a sleep consultant and i've gone into it's such a special rewarding job as well because i go in and i've even had clients say you've literally saved our marriage and things like that because yeah. sleep deprivation can be literally it's it's awful i mean they use it in torture things so it can be so so hard and it's such an adjustment and thing. So
0: and so now you've created that business to help people, no matter where they are yeah. in the world, like if yeah. someone are struggling and is just struggling to get the sleep routine in, they can come to you, work with you as the sleep consultant. You don't have to be in Kent, you can work no. you anywhere, anywhere in the yeah. world. Yeah. So we'll have to share your details because there are so many people. Oh <laughs> somebody asks me about baby sleep routines so like I'm like I only had one and he, I was lucky so. So that's- Yeah,
1: it, it is it's literally looking at the whole situation not just the sleep as well it's looking at everything I kind of go in and look at the family dynamics the pet child's personality mm-hmm. the temperament the um, environment there's so much I go into yeah. it's not just the sleep itself and there's so many things that you we can actually put in place that can help even support the whole family it's not just the child that's not sleeping it's help supporting the whole family and um, then for your local yeah, it's,
0: it's sorry Rika, and then for your local community you've opened up the nurturing heart hub yeah,
1: that's, um, we just opened um, last November, so it's very in the early stages at the moment. But um, I'm wanting to create a hub which um, supports the whole community. So we've got baby classes there, we've got classes for when you, um, whilst you're pregnant as well. So right through pregnancy and the early years, um, we're going to have family groups, support peer support groups breastfeeding counsellors there and all sorts of different things just all those little things that parents actually do need um Mm -hmm. in the beginning because the first 1001 days from conception to two are the most crucial times of our lives for gaining that emotional development and creating those relationships that going forward so if we can create those initially then we can create such a loving sounds a bit crazy it's such a loving peaceful world really I mean we all like that thing so but it's now becoming a little bit more within the government that the first three year, first 1001 days are the crucial times for that to happen
0: and yeah um, it's become a little bit more important um now, <laughs> yeah, now we're it. understanding those formative years the difference it makes so we'll yeah, definitely yeah. make sure that people know how to get in contact with you for that yeah. so what of all of this experience and of all of this so your trauma and beauty that's come from it what's the one life lesson you would want to pay forward to anyone from your story
1: Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> There's so much actually. I think to realise that you're you are good enough, not mm-hmm. to strive for perfection, and really that it is okay to reach out for support and help. Um, because we're never meant to parent ourselves ourselves. Yeah. We were always meant to parent as in a village and it does take a village to raise a baby,
0: raise mm-hmm. a child. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that thank you it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you finding out more about your story and i just know that somebody's going to hear this and it's going to make such a difference and they'll they'll hopefully reach out to somebody as well if they're having the same time that you had claire so thank you so much
1: thank you thank you so much ladies